Chapter 8 of St. Joseph of Cupertino This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Priyanka Mary Christie. St. Joseph of Cupertino by Rev. Angelo Petrovici Translated by Rev. Francis S. Lane Glorified in the Sight of Kings one need not marvel that a man of such great virtue and enriched with such gifts attracted men and aroused in all the desire to rank him among their number as did the arch confraternity of saint antony of padua at rome and the confraternity of saint stephen at assisi everyone esteemed it a privilege to know him and to associate with him his presence was so charming his words so gentle and his company so pleasant that all were forced to love him many persons of the highest rank came to visit him he was universally called the holy friar and esteemed as such besides cardinals facinetti ludovisi rapacioli and ordels calci who have already been mentioned cardinals donghai pallota Verospi, Palusi, Sacchetti, and others admired and revered Father Joseph as a saint. On visiting him, they were much edified by his virtues, his holy words, his ecstasies and flights, and other wonderful gifts which they observed. Prince Leopold of Tuscany, who was later created cardinal, went to Assisi for the express purpose of making joseph's acquaintance while there he had the good fortune of seeing him fall into ecstasy with eyes fixed on a picture of the mother of god when the father seustos said some words in praise of the queen of heaven the fame of joseph's sanctity spread to germany france poland and other countries so that besides the duke of brunswick and the high admiral of castile already mentioned many other princes and lords came to assisi to visit the holy man such visitors were the duke of bouillon from france isabel duchess of mantua from austria princess radzivil and lubomirsky with their wives prince samoyski and other grandees from poland the royal prince of poland john casimir visited the saint repeatedly joseph on hearing of his wish to become a religious advised him to enter the society of jesus in preference to any other order because he would be forced to leave the religious state which he could not do if he entered any other order on another occasion he advised the prince not to take sacred orders and said god would reveal his will to him explicitly john casimir was raised to the cardinalate by pope innocent x but after the death of his brother ladislaus was elected king of poland joseph on seeing him at assisi in a worldly garb on his journey from rome to his kingdom smilingly said to him did i not tell you just go for you will advance god's interests more in this state of life than in the religious state on hearing this the king left well satisfied knowing the great sanctity of joseph 
he continued to consult him by letter and received from him good counsel and even knowledge of future events in Poland. A lady of rank who, prompted by curiosity, had come with others to see the saint in ecstasy, was put to shame. When she entered and was about to pronounce the holy names of Jesus and Mary, as had been agreed upon, the saint reproached her with the words, What? Should one come out of mere curiosity? Do you not know that God could work miracles on this word? Go away in the name of God. Mary, daughter of Charles Emmanuel of Savoy and Catherine of Austria, whom we have already mentioned, came to Assisi after having visited various sanctuaries of Italy. This princess, who had led a pious life from early youth and had been invested with the habit of the Third Order by Father Francis Angelus Cavalry, guardian of the conventuals at Turin, felt so drawn toward the saint that she was reluctant to leave Assisi. She therefore remained many days at Torto near Assisi, and then several months at Perugia, whence she returned repeatedly each week to discuss with Joseph the affairs of her soul and to spend whole days with him in holy converse. Her veneration grew in keeping with the miracles of which she was a witness and frequently the object. The princess was somewhat deaf and used a silver ear trumpet, but the voice of the saint she heard without the instrument and at some distance from him. She wrapped the saint's girdle about a finger which she had bruised while closing a door and at once felt free from pain. She was frequently a witness of ecstasies and miraculous flights while assisting at holy mass said by the saint. Once she saw him in his private chapel over three palms from the floor while elevating the sacred host. In the chapel of the Vale of Mary, whither she had brought a relic of the true cross encased in gold, she repeatedly saw him in ecstasy during Holy Mass. After Mass, when he had laid aside the vestments, she saw him fly upon the altar and remain there with bent knees in sweet ecstasy. Once, when the princess was permitted to dine with the father Seustos and the saint in the sacristy of the upper church at Assisi, she witnessed an ecstasy. Joseph, out of obedience, consented to dine with the princess, but brought his own food, saying that he brought dinner to a poor pilgrim, meaning the princess. Hardly had they begun to eat, when the saint unexpectedly went into ecstasy, fell on his knees with outspread arms, and fixed his eyes on the princess. She felt great joy because of this, and requested the father Seustos to recall him by virtue of obedience. At the word of his superior, Joseph came to himself and hurriedly went to his cell, without saying aught else than his usual words in such cases. Let my heart be undefiled in thy justification, that I may not be confounded. When asked by a religious regarding this occurrence, he replied, We have two sent less. One still lives on earth, the other is in heaven, and added that he had seen such splendor on the countenance of the princess that he could not resist the impulse to kneel. 
thus he did but praise her piety to conceal his own holiness. End of chapter 8